16. Mark 10, 13 through 16. This is the word of our God. Then they brought little children to Jesus that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. So far in the reading of God's word. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that Christ does speak to us today here from his word. And we pray that we would have eyes to see and hearts to receive and hands to respond to what Christ says to us. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sure you all know this short passage very well. The parents brought their children to Christ, and the apostles especially are being targeted here as those who um, don't feel like this is a good use of time. Jesus, Jesus is a busy man. He has big priorities. He's preaching the gospel for saving of souls. He's casting demons out of people. He's healing people on the brink of death. Don't you know that these children, they're not the emergency. The emergency is the sick, the dying, the demon-possessed, the older people who can understand his sermons and who can understand his parables. And these children don't make the cut. They're just a distraction from what's important. That's what the apostles seem to be thinking in this moment. And you know how it goes. Christ doesn't approve of this. Rather, he strongly rebukes them. He's greatly displeased, says Mark. He rebukes his disciples in front of everyone. He doesn't take them aside in secret and say, you know, next time let's do it differently. Right in front of the parents, right in front of the children, because their sin has been against these parents and these children. Jesus rebukes them for this and says, do not forbid them. And his reason for having such a high priority on children, having access to him whenever, is twofold. Verse 14, it's because some of these children are citizens of the kingdom. Of such is the kingdom of God. Of some children in the covenant community are the citizenship of the kingdom of God. Already. That's what verse 14 says. We sometimes try to read verse 14 as saying, well, if you have a childlike faith, you're of the kingdom of God. But that's not what verse 14 says in this wording. That's what verse 15 says. That's his other point. His first point is that some 
of these children are citizens of the kingdom and therefore have a right to come to their king. And his second point is, none of us have a right to come to the king. For any superior reason than childlike faith. We don't earn the right to come into the presence of Jesus for some better reason than the faith that a child can have. I want to think about this passage this morning addressing four categories of people here in this room. Most of you will fit into at least two categories, um, but I hope you'll listen to all four. I want to start with children. So actually, you children, if you can't see me and I can't see you, maybe you can sit on someone's lap or something like that, because it'd be, it'd be good if we could see each other's eyes while I address you this morning. This passage says something directly to you children. It says to you that you are not too young to come to Jesus. You're not too young. There are a lot of things you're too young for. You're too young to drive a car. You're too young to maybe use kitchen knives or use the stove. You're too young to vote for who our next president will be. But Jesus makes it very clear to you here that you aren't too young to come to him. You aren't too young to come to him. Jesus is concerned for you. He is interested in you. He has the time for you. And he is ready to bless you. Think about all four of those things. He's concerned for you. Children, you are sinners. You you may not like to be told that you're sinners, but deep down you know it, don't you? You know you are, because you know that you disobey your parents. And we just read the Ten Commandments a few minutes ago. Honor and obey your father and your mother, for this is right. And you know that you don't do that perfectly. So you know you're a sinner. You, you know that there are times when you say something to your best friend that you know will hurt them when you say it. And you're immediately embarrassed because you're ashamed of yourself. You know that you're a sinner. But our text, Jesus says, come to me. And he's the one when we come to him. One of the things we do is repent of our sin. He's ready to forgive. Next week we start Advent, Christmas season. And remember what the angel said about Jesus to Matthew. I'm sorry, to Joseph in Matthew. He said Jesus comes to save his people from their sins. You're not too young to come to Jesus repenting. And seeking his forgiveness. Come to Jesus for forgiveness. He is concerned for you. He's also interested in you. Jesus is interested in your sadness. And Jesus is interested in your fear. 
Jesus is interested in the things that bring you joy and happiness. And he's interested to hear you when you're thankful. He is interested in you. And how do we come to Jesus to share with him our fears and our anxiety, our, our, uh, our troubled thoughts, or our joys? We do that in prayer, don't we? And you can come to Jesus in prayer. You're not too young to pray. And Jesus is interested. I, I had a, a pastor friend who was having dinner at someone's house. And a little girl, uh, when she was ready to go to bed, said, Can the pastor come and pray with me next to my bed? And so the, the pastor said, Of course, I'd love to if your parents are okay with that. And so they went upstairs. The parents were there too. And he, he knelt down next to the bed with this little girl. And he said, What would you like me to pray for tonight? And she said, Well, my, my dog is sick and not doing well and can we pray for my dog and the pastor was excited about that and he was about to say of course but first the parents stepped in and the parents said oh we need to pray for something more important prayer is a very serious thing we need to pray for something really important if we're going to bother jesus with it or something like that the pastor was just horrified by that Jesus is interested in the things that trouble you. And even if they don't seem very important to anyone else, Jesus is interested in you and what is important to you. And you are not too young to pray about those things to Jesus and through Jesus to the Father. And Jesus isn't only concerned and interested. He has time. Your parents are very interested in you and very concerned with you. But there are times when they have to say, wait. Sometimes after church, almost every week after church, I'll be back here. Maybe I'm talking to my friend, Mr. Dow. Maybe I'm back here talking to my friend, Mr. Phillips. And, and someone runs up and tugs on my knee and wants to talk to me. And I have to say, you have to wait. Because Mr. Dow's talking, or Mr. Ron's talking. That, that's appropriate. I can't hear two people at once. I'm interested, but I can only hear one at a time. Or maybe you want your mom or your dad to read to you, but they're in the kitchen making dinner. And they can't read a book and cook dinner at the same time. So they have to tell you no. They're interested, but they're limited, aren't they? They can't do it all at once. Do you know that Jesus isn't limited like that? He is the infinite God. He's the God that knows all things. And he is able to hold the world together, hold the stars in their place, and hear your prayer all at the same time. Maybe some of you are all praying at the same time in different homes, in different towns, and he is able to hear you always. In the middle of the night when everyone else is asleep, he is able to hear you. In the middle of the day when everyone's too busy, he is not too busy 
Jesus is concerned for you. He's interested in you and he has the time for you. You're not too young to come to Jesus. And Jesus is ready to bless. Our text tells us at the end that he took little children up in his arms and he blessed them. He has time for blessing, even though there were other people hurting and other people who could be healed and other people lost who needed to hear the gospel. And he still had time to bless the children. Children, you're not too young to seek his blessing. Jesus declares in Romans that he's working all things for good for those who love him. Do you love him? You're not too young to come to him for blessing. Hundreds of years ago, a pastor spoke to children just like you. And this is what he said. Lay yourself at Christ's feet and he will take you up in his arms. Give yourself to him and he will give himself to you in grace and comfort. Put yourself in Jesus' way. It almost sounds like get in his way. Put yourself in Jesus' way. By hearing the Bible read and praying, and he will not pass by without putting his hand on you to bless you. Children, you're not too young to come to Jesus. So come to Jesus in faith. Receiving Jesus as your Savior, resting upon him as your King. Good job keeping attention. Now, second group of people, and half of them have left the room. Well, second category of people is parents. You parents here today, especially those of you who are parents who still have young children in your home. If the first point is, children, you aren't too young to come to Jesus, you won't be surprised at this very special second point. Parents, they aren't too young to bring to Jesus. We live in an age when churches think that children are too young to bring to Jesus, just like the apostles did. Welcome to our church. Your children can follow us to the children's church. You're dismissed from worship. Don't bother us anymore. And and we're going to meet with Jesus. But that's not what Jesus says here, is it? He tells you parents, if he's scolding his apostles for keeping parents away, then he is implicitly telling you, bring your children. They're not too young. How young is too young? Well, Luke tells us what was included in little children. Little children, the word child used here in the Greek can mean anything up to the age of 12, which was when they became adults, by the way. So you kids who are older than 12 and under 18, we'll just, we'll stretch it and say anyone up to 18, because that's how our culture does it. We're not, we're not ancient Israel. Uh, But everyone up to 12 was how they viewed that. But when you threw little on there, it usually meant seven or under. But Luke gives us a different word here for who was brought to Jesus. Luke gives us the word for infant. 
They brought infants to Jesus, and he said, Do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. So, parents, your children aren't too young to bring to Jesus. Naomi isn't too young to bring to Jesus. That's what Christ calls on us to do. Again, verse 14, of such is the kingdom of, he- of God. That, that's Christ saying that the kingdom is made up of, its citizenship is made up of such as these. Now, he's not saying exclusively children, and he's not saying all children. But he's saying the citizenship includes children like these. Now, when the Gospels speak of people coming to Christ and they don't qualify a nation attached to it, like an Ethiopian brought her her daughter to Christ, or uh, a a Greek man brought his uh, daughter to Christ, or something like that, when the Gospels don't tell us a nation, it's because... It's the nation of Israel. It's people that are already in the outward church. The the covenant community of that day. Uh, Our word church is just the Greek word for what they said in the Old Testament. The assembly of God's people. It means assembly. So it's not a different thing than what the Old Testament believers did. We meet We assemble as the people of God. Back then it was national Israel that did that. Now it's the church of Jesus Christ. But but that means that when we read the Gospels and it's the, the people bringing it, it is people who are inside the visible church. They're the people that worship God on a regular basis. So here are the children of believers, or at least professing believers. And of some of these is the kingdom of God. Now I put that qualifier some because always in the Old Testament when we were shown children as included in the visible thing, the church, it's, not always, it's, it's never all children, is it? Think of Abraham. Abraham, your children will be counted as part of this nation I am making from you. But Ishmael won't be. But Ishmael's going to have the sign of circumcision, so he's outwardly a member of it, even though he's not really ever going to be saved. We, we need to keep things like that in mind when we think about how Christ interacts with the visible church and with our children. There are Ishmaels. There are Esau's. And we don't know who they are when they're children. We have to wait to see which they will be. And even if they walk away from the faith, we plead and pray that they are really God's children. And we pray for their conversion until the day of their death. But we can't read their hearts. And yet, Christ says, of the children of those who are in the church... Do not forbid them from coming to me. So there is your call. You are to bring them to him.
bring the infants to him. That just feels so early, doesn't it? But I was reflecting this last week, and I don't know when, I'm sure one of you medical people in here, or one of you mothers in here, knows when they started saying this, but when someone's pregnant, the baby hears at a certain point in the womb. And so you have dad sticking his head right down next to the belly and talking, right? How young is too young to hear about Jesus? Well, we say, well, they they don't really understand what they're hearing in the womb. They don't comprehend the sentences. But they do learn the voices, don't they? They recognize. You, You can see it when they're out. And a sibling says something, and they get excited, and they haven't had a cause for that yet, uh, unless they recognize the voice, right? They recognize mom's voice. They recognize dad's voice. Why shouldn't they recognize the love of Christ from someone's voice? The, The honor for King Jesus When scripture is being read out loud, even when they're in the womb, they may not understand, but they do learn things. They learn tone. They learn emotion. And they learn love. Your children aren't too young to learn something, even in the womb. And so they aren't too young now that they're out of the womb. To bring to Christ. And before I move on from this point. I want to just comment to you you mothers here. Half of the parents here. Um, There are a lot of amazing things that we can do for the glory of Christ in this life wonderful things but of how many of them does Christ forbid people from stopping it and bless that task here he blesses the bringing of these children by blessing the children so you mothers whatever you aren't doing right now whatever things you're being held back from, or it might feel at times like you're being scorned for not doing right now in your lives. How many other jobs does Christ take time to personally lay his hands and bless? Bring the children to Christ. What a wonderful job to have. Disciples. The third category, which I hope is all of you. Disciples of Christ, this passage says to you, you are not to forbid. And I don't have a lot to say here because it's very straightforward, but also for this reason. Those of you who are regulars and members of Christ's church, speaking to you particularly, God bless you. 
that you do not forbid the children from being brought to Christ. Now, I can't read your hearts, so I don't know if you might have some things to repent of in terms of your attitude towards the children. But what is seen outwardly is not simply uh, refraining from forbidding, but an actual encouraging. And I know that that costs you something at times. There are some worship services, especially Sunday nights when we're in that one room and there's no nursery to escape to. There's certain worship services where not forbidding means it's really hard to focus. Christ says, do not forbid, unless it's distracting. No. No, he doesn't say that. And so, may God bless you for not making that the requirement. I do have this thought, though, I was reflecting on this week. Um... There could be a situation where not forbidding the children in worship means you don't really hear the sermon. It wasn't too long ago that I worked really hard on a sermon all week. I thought it was a really important sermon for us to hear as a congregation. I got ready. I was excited to preach that sermon. And that Sunday night, not only none of your eyes showed uh, comprehension, but my brain didn't feel comprehending as I preached. But Christ doesn't put qualifiers, does he? Which means this very stri- this sounds strange to hear to, to, for me to say as a preacher, but it could be that not forbidding the children means none of us gets anything out of the sermon, and that could be the week when Christ is pleased To bless us the most if we aren't forbidding the children from coming to him. It's a strange thing to say. But isn't that implied by this text? He stopped whatever he was preaching. He took those children in his arms. The language of one of the other Gospels even makes it feel like he kept them in his arms for a while. They were gathered around. Perhaps what Jesus did was have all those children piled up around his feet and holding one in each arm and finished his sermon. If Christ blesses the children, then obeying him by not forbidding means that we too will be blessed by him. And then the fourth group here is all of us. All of us, including those who do not know Christ. And maybe especially with a focus on any who have not trusted in Christ alone for salvation, repented of your sins, and sought his pardon. And maybe that's one of you children. And maybe that's one of you adults. The message of the text here is you are neither too ignorant nor too mature to come 
to Jesus. You are neither too ignorant nor too mature to come to Jesus. He levels the playing field when it comes to faith. With verses 14 and 15, he levels the playing field. Not only is the kingdom of heaven made up of some like these, but also none come with a faith unless that faith is a childlike faith. Now, it's not a childish faith, which is selfish and self-centered and disrespectful. It's a childlike faith. And what is childlike faith? I think the Westminster Shorter Catechism uses the right two words to help us understand childlike faith. It is receiving and resting. Receiving Christ as Savior from sin. Resting every day upon Him for your whole life. That is childlike faith. That does not require a special level of knowledge. It says nothing of some some secret philosophy that only the elite can obtain. Childlike faith is as simple as that. Knowing you're a sinner and receiving Christ and trusting Christ. And none of you are members of the kingdom of heaven for anything more than that. Whatever else you may grow into, and we are called to grow, aren't we? We're not called to continue being children in the faith. Peter makes that very clear, doesn't he? There's the pure milk of the word. Don't despise it. Receive it. Love it. Appreciate it. But at a certain point, Grow so that with the milk, you're chewing on something else. You're growing into the meat and the vegetables of the word. Yes, grow in your faith. But you aren't a member of the citizen of the kingdom of heaven. For any other reason than childlike faith. Because you received the milk of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And received it with joy. Like a child trusting in a parent. The the child trusting their parent that they'll be safe through the night doesn't know all the factors, do they? They may not know how a security system, if you have one on your house, works. They may not be able to reach that deadbolt or really understand why a deadbolt is a good thing to have on your front door. They may not understand why a deadbolt does something that the lock on the door handle doesn't do when the person on the other side has a credit card. Right? Children don't know all the details of why they can rest at ease 
when mom and dad put them to bed at night. But if they trust them to keep their word, if they trust them to be strong enough and loving enough, if they believe the promise is made, they can rest at night. A citizen of the kingdom of heaven is like that. Not because you have some special head knowledge and lovely thing to know if you don't know anything about doctrine and all you know is that Jesus says, repent and trust in me, that is enough. So here is some milk at the end of this sermon. Milk of the word. For all of you, from the youngest to the oldest, hear Christ and the milk he would offer you in blessing. He says, come to me. Let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. Listen, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of God. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a child will by no means enter it. Come to Jesus.